in this situation. He took a pinch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers. We know it. Ask me about my win. History was made the other day in the World Baseball Classic, something that at the major league level had only happened 23 times in its history, happened again. And already I could hear the critics. It was only eight innings. He took four pitchers. Even though the World Baseball Classic is a serious setting, it's done with exhibition type of rules, with pitchers and pitch limits and stuff like that and the encouragement to use more players to make them all kind of feel like they're part of the team and representing their country. All that, I believe. But only 23 times in the history of Major League Baseball have we seen a perfect game. And I think what you saw in the World Baseball Classic with Puerto Rico finishing the job on an eight-inning mercy rule perfect game may be the way that the perfect game may go for the rest of the history of Major League Baseball. And a lot of it is force-fed because of data and analytics and the need to bring a pitcher in after they've thrown 100 pitches or in some cases facing a batting order just two times. And because of that, it's going to be very hard for pitchers to go deep into games. It's not because they're not capable. I think you could still see some of the top pitchers in the game willingly and from their team's perspective be able to go longer in the games but it's just not going to happen so it's going to be a matter of time before we see a 27 out major league perfect game pitched by more than one pitcher and this isn't the there is no time in this case for the boomer take the game has changed it's going to be less possible for a pitcher to be able to finish the game by themselves. So that's why, number one, there's going to be a combined perfect game. Number two, those that are upset about the mercy rule, this is something that they agreed to in a World Baseball Classic, especially you know within the, the qualifier rounds or the pool rounds. So I guess when the games get more intense as they get into the quarterfinals and the semifinals and eventually the finals, there's not going to be a mercy rule in, in, in place. Now, that's not the fault of Jose De Leon or Yaxel Rios or Edwin Diaz or Dwayne Underwood or anybody that was part of that Puerto Rico team that threw a perfect game against Israel. Now, I, I look at it, and like I said, there's going to be a lot of, hey, I want to combat this. I'm going with the take that I think we have kind of a 23A when it comes to perfect games in baseball history. Now, once again, this isn't, didn't happen in a major league game. It didn't happen in a major league regular season game or postseason game. This happened in a professional game in a tournament, which is not that much of an exhibition. Ask the players. 
Ask the players that are involved with all these different countries if the World Baseball Classic is an exhibition. It's closer to the stage of the Olympics. It's closer to the stage of the World Cup than it is just an exhibition. So when you look back in the history of baseball and remember the likes of Lee Richmond and John Montgomery Ward and Cy Young and Addie Joss and Charlie Robertson and Don Larson and Sandy Koufax and Jim Bunning and Catfish Hunter and Len Barker and Mike Witt and Tom Browning and Dennis Martinez and David Wells and David Cohn and Mark Burley and Kenny Rogers and Roy Halladay and Dallas Braden and Philip Humber and Felix Hernandez and Matt Cain. It may be necessary to add the names of Jose De Leon, Yaxel Rios, Edwin Diaz, and Dwayne Underwood to do what in the rest of history is baseball has not been done by anybody else. The NFL free agency has hit pretty full. You're looking at a lot of teams uh, loading up on defensive players. The Miami Dolphins have done very well. A um, couple moves have been made. Darren Waller getting traded to the Giants I think really helps them. You look at Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley both coming back to help the the team offensively. Waller, a tight end that fits in pretty good for what the Giants are looking to do. They don't have strength in regards to wide receivers. They may be able to run the ball and throw the ball to Darren Waller. I think I think it's a very good fit for the Giants. Um, Derek Carr going to the New Orleans Saints, which this was announced, of course, a couple weeks ago, uh, certainly puts that team in a better position. It's going to be interesting to see how much Mike, Michael Thomas ends up contributing. You know, a guy at one point set the record for the most catches in a season. It really wasn't that long ago. I know Cooper Cup has since uh, passed the, that total. But you look at the Saints, probably their ability to score more points, move the ball downfield, they got a quarterback that could do that. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in Las Vegas is going to take a little bit. There's going to be a little bit of heat, not his way, but the Raiders' way in regards to replacing Carr with Garoppolo. Now, two connections that nobody's going to be able to pull away is the fact that Garoppolo, with his time with the San Francisco 49ers, did nothing but win. He, he has got the mentality and is known as a winner. The teams in the games that he plays usually come out on top. And then there's, of course, the connection to Josh McDaniels. Not breaking anything here, not telling you anything you don't already know, but Josh McDaniels has a connection to this quarterback, and I'm going to believe that there's a sort of plan into place. And I'm going to talk about Josh McDaniels for a second because he is on the verge of being looked at as a super coordinator that cannot succeed as a coach in the National Football League, had a very rough time of it when he was coaching the Denver Broncos. Obviously went back to New England where he uh, gained prominence as an offensive coordinator, was there again until he got the job with the Raiders, and the Raiders haven't come through. He hasn't given you that impression that he is that top-of-the-line NFL head coach. Well, I'll tell you this. If his S is in a jackpot, if he is on the verge of losing his job, he better have the right to do things his way. And if he believes that Jimmy Garoppolo is part of what's going to run the best version of the Raiders offense, 
Obviously a team we know is in a tough division when it comes to being there with the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers, you know how much everybody loves Justin Herbert. And even the Denver Broncos with Sean Payton there expected to fix Russell Wilson. you got to let Josh McDaniels do it his way and trust the fact that there is some cohesion and his ability to do things his way. Now, if it doesn't work this year, if it doesn't work into the 2024 season, Josh McDaniels is going to lose his job anyway. So I was thinking about the Tennessee Titans and the owner, Amy Skunk Adams, who made a decision in the middle of the season last year to fire general manager John Robinson. Now, if you look at it from a fan's perspective, you understood what Amy Adams was kind of getting at. She was talking about the fact that the fans deserve more. And this was a team that was expected to be in a bigger position to win. They got the right coach. They had the right type of momentum. But for some reason, there wasn't what was needed to be to put them over the top. And a lot of it had to do with the A.J. Brown trade draft day to the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that, by the way, made it to the Super Bowl. That was the aspirations that the Tennessee Titans had. Now, you hire Rand Carthon, who I love the hiring, I think he's one of the up-and-coming executives in the NFL. I think overall he's going to do a good job, but I'm a little bit confused, and I'm going to explain why right now. The motion or the notion that was put out there that the Titans haven't done enough to win is the reason that John Robinson lost his job. Now you hire Rand Carthon, and it looks like they're going through a rebuild here. Four offensive linemen, you let go. You let David Long walk to Miami for not a lot of money. Two years and $11 million guaranteed. Something certainly the Titans could have matched. They got a lot of holes. They got a quarterback situation where Ryan Tannehill's making a ton of money. And I don't expect them to hit the second part of free agency with any sort of fire. So I'm seeing a little bit of a conflict in regards to what the owners said about the fans deserving better and the expectations should be higher with the Tennessee Titans to what the new general manager has done, which almost seems to signal a rebuild. And I have a little bit of an issue with that. I just don't see how you could push for one and have the owner say that this is the reason why the general manager is fired and then replace that person with another general manager that essentially is going 2010-2011 Houston Houston Astros, is going, you know, whatever, whatever the Houston Texans are going through right now, right? Baltimore Orioles of whatever, 2018-2019, you know, uh, talking about Connie Mack in 1933 or 1934. So as we move into today's segment of saving, Sports history. I want to talk about the 1899 Montreal Canadiens, who at the time were known as the Shamrocks, beating Queen's University to win the CAHL championship, which is the equivalent to the Stanley Cup. And of course, I'm talking about the 14th day of March 
and this was in 1899. Just four years later, the same uh, Stanley Cup was won by the Ottawa HC team over the Rat Portage Fizzlies. Stanley Cup in 1908. The Montreal, at that moment, were known as the Wanderers, beat the Toronto Professionals to win the Stanley Cup 6-4. 1961, George Weiss came over, the former Yankees executive, became the president and general manager of the future expansion New York Mets. 1967, the NFL Draft, the Colts select Bubba Smith with the number one overall pick. In 1971, the Australian Open, Ken Rosewall beats Arthur Ashe 5-3-1, becomes the first man in the Open era in tennis to win a Grand Slam title without losing a set in the entire tournament. 1972, the NBA's Cincinnati Royals make the decision to move to Kansas City. Now, this is significant because Cincinnati's a very good sports town, obviously has a popular baseball team, a popular football team, had a basketball team for a while, has not gotten one since the Cincinnati team moved to Kansas City. 1987 on this day, Darryl Strawberry charges the mound after he is hit by Al Nipper of the Boston Red Sox. Now, obviously, the 86 World Series, the year before, Al Nipper was on the mound when Darryl Strawberry hit a mammoth of a home run in Game 7 of the World Series, basically is still crossing home plate as we speak. It took him that long to go around the bases. Nipper took a long bridge, hit Strawberry, charged the mound. Something you could kind of go back and maybe blame Davey Johnson more than anything. But if Davey Johnson doesn't remove Daryl Strawberry and replace him with Lee Mazzilli, you know, perhaps, you know, things don't work out the way they do in that crazy 10th inning of Game 7. I'm sorry, Game 6, when the Mets end up coming back from two runs down to win that game. But obviously, Strawberry, at this moment, is still pretty pissed. He took forever to go around the bases. Al Nipper hits him. Strawberry either knows why or doesn't know why. Charges the mound. Causes a little bit of a fracas. Now, 1992, not such a good moment. When three Mets at the time, Vince Coleman, Darrell Boston, Dwight Gooden, were accused of rape. Now, they were ended up not convicted, not tried, not arrested. Well, they were arrested, but they were found, they were not charged, they were not found guilty. Kind of reminds you of something that's happening as we speak right now. And I know a lot of people are not happy with my Trevor Bauer take, but the guy deserves the right to play baseball. He was accused, and as a person... You could probably be down on Trevor Bauer and you got every right to be. I don't necessarily believe he's a good human being. But from a perspective of what he deserves to do as a professional that works, he's got the right to work. And the fact that he has signed a contract to play in Japan in while Major League Baseball teams can use somebody with his talent is a joke. And just shows the, I think, I think a little bit too much overcompensation is being done to try to make the general public happy. 
Because in 1992, if that happened right now and Daryl Boston and Vince Coleman and Dwight Gooden were accused of what they were accused of, number one, they would be suspended by Major League Baseball for probably a considerable amount of time. And also, they may not have the right to play. All three of those players ended up missing no time, didn't lose their job with their respective teams, and were able to continue their baseball career in different ways and fashions. Trevor Bauer deserves the right to play Major League Baseball. You, as the viewer or the listener or the baseball fan, has got the right not to like him. In fact, if it bothers you that Trevor Bauer would be on your television while you're watching a game or in a stadium pitching at a game you happen to attend, you got the right to get up and go somewhere else. Trevor Bauer's got the right to work just like any person that is not tried and found guilty and given a sentence for breaking the law. So as I get off of that, we get into a couple birthdays. On the day of March 14th, Lee Petty, you know, legendary racer, obviously the father of Richard Petty, was born in 1914, passed away in 2000. Former college basketball coach Don Haskins was born on this day in 1930. NBA Hall of Famer or Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer Wes Unseld, one of the best rebounders in the history of the National Basketball Association, was born on this day in 1946. Baseball Hall of Famer and Mr. Minnesota Twin Kirby Puckett was born on this day in 1960. Kevin Brown, first $100 million contract in Major League Baseball, dominant pitcher for a very long time, was born on this day in 1965. 1969, Larry Johnson, former NBA basketball player, of course, with the Knicks and the Hornets, was born on this day in 1969. Heisman Trophy winner Ron Dane, born on March 14, 1978. Uh, the last out of the 2005 World Series was thrown by none other than Bobby Jenks, born on this day in 1981. Steph Curry, Perhaps the best basketball player in the NBA at this moment. There's a ton of talent out there. You could go in a number one, a number of different directions. Jokic, uh, Embiid, uh, Doncic, you know, Greek Freak. You, know, you still want to say LeBron. There's a ton of great basketball players out there. Jason Tatum. Listen, I believe Steph Curry is in that discussion. He was born on this day in 1988. This is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Of course, you can catch the Past Ball Show on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, and of course, videos on YouTube. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side. Chris Bryant was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books my apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I'm just going to listen to that, but then I just carry on living my life. I may come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. That'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I was supposed to be here today. Especially prospect horrors and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. 